You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hey, it's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke and um, so many things have happened. Where do I start? I've got a new co-anchor. The game has gone through this golden haze and I'm talking in positive in a positive fashion. Um, the news um, by the Socceroos or created by the Socceroos has been quite extraordinary. The pundits have fallen over in a fashion that I haven't seen in years. In fact, if we were playing 10-pin bowling, I reckon the game has just had a strike and all the pundits are the 10-pins knocked to bilio. Um, I've got to say a big thank you to Lockie Flanagan, who has been uh, mine host for quite some time. But I'm delighted to introduce a brand new member of the team at FNR. Um, she's very silently worked her way into the game. And not only has she fashioned quite a career for herself or quite a presence for herself at Football Nation Radio, but she's starting to make some interesting waves uh, uh, during the uh, APL coverage. I'm, I'm delighted to welcome. And I want to know also, is she related to Jeremy Frimpong, who's part of the Dutch team at the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, Pakua, welcome, and great to have you on board as my number two. Well, George, unfortunately I'm not related, related. but you know I might tell people that I'm related <laughs> to him just to, just to get the perks. So long as he's playing well, we are related. But, wow. But I am very excited and uh, happy to join you on uh, State of Our Football Nation. I've been producing for a while. I know, I know. That's picture. why I said you've been, you've been doing your, your, your job and, more importantly, Pulling your weight and fulfilling, uh, I dare say, a number of um, things that you've been, you know, dreaming of doing for a while. You've always wanted to call the game. And interestingly, it's starting to come together. And I mean by that, that you're covering the Liberty Cup. Yeah. For Paramount Plus, I am, and it's it's been an it's what been a buzz. An ex- it's been an experience, and I've learned a lot in such a short period of time. But I've had a lot of fun, you know, talking about women's football is really important to me, and to see the players and to be able to call the game has been a real thrill and I'm excited for the rest of the season. What a time for you, though, to come into the game. What a time for you to be calling the game and to think we're, what, seven months away from a women's World Cup down under? Absolutely, George, and I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament. We've seen the the wave of the way in which Australians can get around the Socceroos and I hope that continues for the Women's World Cup because I think put a lot of fanfare. The Matildas are a, a quality side that can put out a performance on their day so, so the many more people can get out, not just for the Matildas game, but for all the other games. It'll be so now, fun. Now, this past two or three weeks has been exhilarating. It's been surprising. It's been shocking. It's been everything. Um, what have you made of it? Oh, it's been it's been amazing because for me, I've seen I, – I was – I saw Ghana 2010 and I saw how much that meant to Ghana. Yep. But for that to happen in a social media rage and – way more fanfare about the Socceroos. It's been fantastic because they haven't disappointed. They've played some great football and that Aussie DNA, is that what Arnie yeah, calls yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, the Aussie DNA is filling up now with a number of different communities. As each community, as each a new, um, um, I suppose, um, culture comes into Australia, our DNA just broadens beautifully. Um, and I've got to say, there's no better sight than watching the Senegalese fans <laughs> rock up to a game. Anywhere they go, oh. they're just the best colour. And 
I, I reckon I, there's no way in the wide world I'm ever going to say a bad word about their witch doctors. No, 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 no. Yeah, they not. may not be able to will their side to victory. By golly, there's no better side. No, that, there's it not. It looks but magnificent. You know what, George? I, I want to give you. The, I want to say the Senate Glees fame, but I've got to say the Ghana, Ghana fans. Ants. We showed <laughs> up and showed out. But I, I think it's the beauty. The beauty about the World Cup is that you, these little countries, the the fanfare, they their yeah. fans come out and mean yeah. so so much to them and. They bring a lot of atmosphere. The Senegalese fan have been amazing. Uh, do, you, is it, do you think it's fair to say that we're watching the emergence of uh, not only Africa but the Arab world as well? Yeah, I, I think it is. And and for so long, football has only been a European sport, or you know, the Americans are getting into it. But yep. but there are and South American, but there are so many great players around the world that it's a beauty of football. You get to harness them and you get to create new stories, but. Some of these players from these little countries, wow. Listen, I, st- I, I still uh, revere and respect enormously the great George Weir, yeah. who came and we saw him live at Foot or Stadium Australia uh, way back in uh, 1999, just before the 2000 uh, Olympics. There was a FIFA Select 11 that played the Socceroos, and it was quite something to behold. Uh, and he, of course, just a superstar. And it's proceeded over the years to produce, with every generation, another sparkling diamond. Yeah. And we've seen a few. We and really the, have. And what have we learnt? We've learnt that they're super fast. They can leap higher than, than even Superman on, on, a given, on a given day. And um, the other thing, they are enormously passionate and, and emotive. No, and, and that's, I think that's what I'll, thing I, I see, the big correlation between the Socceroos, because football has... For a long time, people were like, oh, football's not an Australian. It's not the Australian like way, but it the is way actually. it is that actually. Yeah. And if we play with the mindset of such these little countries, and we are just this is the tournament, this is where we make our name in lights. You could see far more than just the natural talent can take you because the will to want to win and not to lose is such a powerful thing. Oh yeah, and once you get that mix just right, and everyone buys in. Marvellous things can happen, as we've all seen over the last uh, week and a half, two weeks. Um, and the live sites across Australia came to life in a fashion that few pundits didn't believe was <laughs> yeah. possible. Brisbane lit up. <laughs> uh, Federation literally Little lit up. up. <laughs> uh, Adelaide lit up. Um, there wasn't a site that didn't make an impact. That, and that was quite something. And, and this only suggests to me that the governments, all the state governments, because, you know, clearly we're not a nation anymore. We're a bunch of states, yeah? yeah? Uh, I think there have got to be life sites for the Women's World Cup without Absolutely. a doubt. It's the only way it's going to work. It's it's the only way to get people involved. People feel like it's a party for them and if they there's oh, something yeah. for them to really get behind, then they most certainly will sh- to, um, show up and show up because if they don't know where to go, they're not going to go anywhere and they might not turn their TV on, but they know they can get down to Federation Square, watch with a bunch of other people... And they know other states are doing it. Let's compete for the numbers and people show and up. And some, there's something else that you add to that. You can actually now go to a live site and take your device with you, yeah, <laughs> which, which was very difficult to do before streaming arrived on this planet. Uh, you couldn't take a big box TV no. uh, and pitch it up, uh, you know, at Fed Square or any other ground, by the, by the way. Um, listen, Amy Park even was opened up. Uh, the government's smart enough to realise that their small screens were not good enough. No. So they positioned a number of screens right across the ground and they had close to 20,000 no, people. No, I, I think they filled out the behalf of the stadium that they did. They, they opened fi- up. They opened up. And then I, don't, I believe they weren't going to have the, the 
third uh, the third level open, but they so many people were showing up <laughs> that they had to open it That's up. That's something. The pictures from there were incredible and. Melbourne, Melbourne really is a sports town, isn't it, George? Oh, it is, it is, it is. Um, by the way, our special guest uh, today is someone who's been part of the game for a long, long time. He can, he can notch up amongst his friends just about the, the golden age of the, of the game, going back as far as Rally Rasic, um, uh, Les Scheinflug, uh, Raul Blanco and a host of others. Uh, young Kenny Wilson is still a regular at most of our guests' uh, dinners whenever they're held either in Melbourne or Sydney. I'm talking about the one and only Jack Zervos, who joins us via Zoom from Sydney. And what hasn't he done in the game? He's been a supporter of grassroots football for ages, especially in New South Wales. Uh, he's been a, a critic. He's also been an enormous supporter of the Matildas. And he thinks there's another fabulous story is still to be written. It's the Women's World Cup. Uh, and I'm just wondering, he's got another couple of ideas that need airing. And I'm just thinking that the week after the fabulous uh, efforts of the Socceroos might just be the ideal time to offer Jack a platform. So Jack, if you're with us, uh, welcome to Football Nation Radio and State of Our Football Nation. Thank you, George. Um, am I on? You are on. You've... Oh, lucky me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Now, uh, welcome. Pakua has never met you uh, either via Zoom or in the flesh, so uh, we need to give her a little bit of insight. Um, You've been a long-time lover of the game, a supporter of the game at a number of different levels, and you also know some of the shortcomings that the game needs to embrace, uh, not not dwell on, but embrace and and really challenge and win them over. Uh, Where would you like to see uh, Football Australia... Um, start with this, I suppose, uh, not review, but refresh? Look, I, th- I think I think if we're going to move forward, we need to learn from history to begin with, George. Yep. Um, we, we were in this position in 74. We finished in the top six teams in the, wo- 16 teams in the world um, under uh, Rally Rasich and Lee Scheinflug. Um, this team actually, in my view, probably mirrors that 74 squad more than any of the others more than the golden generation, more than those that followed, because they have got a lot of similarities. They were a team of hardworking, passionate, loyal, or scrappers. There was no superstars amongst the 74s. There was no superstars amongst the 22s. They they achieved what they achieved with an Australian coach in Graham Arnold, Rally Rassick, their shine flag, and they achieved it based on passion, commitment, self-belief, Certainly not on skill, multi-million dollar contracts at Premier League teams. So they've been there before. Um, I think you know, to be able to compare this team to a team that had Adrian Austin and Ray Bartz and Ray Richards and you know Manfred Schaefer is the ultimate compliment, compliment to these guys because they, the game was built on those guys' shoulders. Um, to continue that legacy in 22, I think... Um, the ultimate sign of just how special this team is. Um, and to build from that, uh, let's learn what happened in 74. In 75, we sacked our two successful coaches. Um, so, you know, our administration hasn't got a great track record <laughs> building on foundations. Um, in 06, we did the same. In 06, we had a wonderful campaign with absolute superstars. But what happened afterwards? Nothing. You know, I look at what happened in the last two weeks and I thought to myself, why is it that our administration didn't have 
all these venues like Amy Park and, you know, Cumberland uh, Park at, at, in, uh, Sydney. Harbour, in Sydney. Why weren't they all pre-booked? Um, why, why didn't our administration have... Jack, you know, I have an answer. I have an answer for you. The answer was the answer was they believed every pundit who said this was the worst side we had ever put together. Uh, Graham Arnold knew nothing, had no idea how to coach, and and I remember someone saying to me, "This is going to be an absolute farce." Uh, and what happened? And, and you also know what my position has been on that team and on that coach yep. for the last three years. Actually, you and should me... you should remind a lot of people. That oh, some I have of the sacrifices, no, no, uh, in the flesh here, right this now. Give us, just remind us all how wonderful Graham Arnold was uh, when he did a special broadcast for us live after coming back from one of, uh, from actually qualifying. In the, I think it was the yep. last match of our qualifying That's right. uh, campaign. And he yep. promised you personally that, yes, Jack. I am tired, but I will be there. And he arrived, and I'll let you tell the rest of the story because Baku won't believe it. Yeah, so so and, and George and Andy Pascal these were MCs that day. So Harry Michaels, as he does, um, organised a, a tribute to the game because he's just a crazy, mad, passionate lover. <laughs> of um, and and he believes no amount of promotions enough. Yep. Um, we did the first one with the seventy-four Socceroos, and the second one was really a celebration of football more holistically. And as you remember, George, we had the great Julie Murray, the Gary Ock, and Dialogic join us as well. That's right. Uh, three of our, our greatest Matildas. Um, as well as you know, Tony Henderson and Gary Cole, um, and we invo- I invited Arnie while he was overseas um, via his uh, via Sarah, his long-suffering wife, who's, who's, who's the best person to get things organised, um, as you'd appreciate. Yep. And um, and I sent her the messages, and she sent me back a message. Said, yep, yep. Arnie said he'll be there, and I said, Are you sure? Because I, I think he comes back that day. That's and she's right. going, No, no, no. He said he'll be there, and. I got, a, I got a message at 3 a.m. in the morning and he said, mate, I, 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 just, got, I just got home, you know, went through hell to get out of customs, just settled in, just sat down. Is it okay if I run a bit late? <laughs> is it okay if I run a bit late? Now, can I tell you, this is our national coach mm. who's been ridiculed, attacked mercilessly, um, horribly, if this was a normal everyday person, they'd you'd go to the police and complain about like, assault. Yeah. yeah, it's just terrible. Yeah, yeah. And and he has the courtesy and the respect to ask, is it okay if I'm half an hour late? And guess what? Half an hour to the minute, as you know, George, he was there. Yeah. He got his wife to drive him because he couldn't drive. He was still that tired. Punch um, him a professional, join the, the broadcast. That's worth you know, maybe looking at the link and, and revisiting all the things he said at that day because they were all quite prophetic. Um, and he made some very simple points. He said, all we have, belief in each other, and a commitment to be the best. Um, that's all I've got to work with. I've got nothing else. I've got no cure, no Viduka. I've got none of those people. And I think he also might have intimated, I probably wouldn't be able to coach those people. That, that, that's not me. Now, he's a guy that's driven by passion, self-belief, um, you know, and, and buying. Um, and he was always going to do well at the World Cup. That's what I didn't understand. I don't mind people being, you know, every public person's open to criticism, as long as it's fair and reasonable. But this guy won 11 games straight. The national coach, the longest winning streak ever. When you tell someone, they say, oh, yeah, but they were rubbish teams. (laughs) uh, 
Now, Danny beat Japan and Saudi Arabia. Mm. Have you seen Japan and Saudi Arabia play at the World Cup? Japan has been a revelation. They're absolutely clinical. They have been brilliant. You know, we need to remember in 1971, George, and George Budapest played the Japanese national team. Okay, St. George Budapest, a, a, a state league club, had the Japanese national team and beat them 2-1 in Sydney, you know, friendly. That's how far Japanese football's come in one generation. Okay, and now they're still in there vying for a World Cup. Um, so Graham won 11 straight. Graham has got our highest win percentage of any national coach. Now, I understand football is very passionately subjective. We don't like certain styles. We don't like certain formations. We don't like the way certain people play. I get that. How can you call a coach hopeless if he's got our best win percentage of any coach in our history and has won 11 games straight and, by the way, qualified for another World Cup? Person, oh, yeah, he got lucky. <laughs> Mate, 211 teams, 211 teams set out to qualify for a World Cup. Okay, let's get some context. And luck is part of sport. Um, Ange got lucky. Ange qualified by the thickness of a crossbar. Luck's got a lot to do with it. Raleigh got lucky in 73. He had to play a decider three days after, you know, at their last game um, in, a, in a neutral ground. Um, so luck's got everything to do with sport. You can't vilify a coach because you had some luck. Um, you know, then his, his, his selections were criticised. You know, oh, look, you know, he doesn't know who he's picking. I haven't got a problem criticising. Wouldn't you give the guy a chance to fail? And that's my frustration. We never gave the guy a chance. We never gave this team a chance to fail. They kept, they kept coming back. They, they navigated through COVID. Okay? They, they kept getting kicked. They kept getting, you know, abused for being hopeless and not good enough. They kept qualifying. They kept getting in. They kept progressing towards the Holy Grail. And guess what? Once they got there... Yeah. They beat Tunisia and Denmark. Um, no one else has won twice. And you know, and I'm not gloating. I predicted I think in November that we beat Tunisia and we draw with Denmark and we get in. But even by my standards, Arnie over-delivered. <laughs> as well. Jack, I've just got to ask before you go on, do you think that's his ability to relate to the players and because we've seen so many times the players speak so highly of Arnie and they have such a close bond with him. Do you think his passion and his, his just the way he is, his nature has made him such a successful coach with this group? Absolutely. I think you've nailed it. I don't know how much football you've seen Arnie play. Um, and that's not me being ageist. Arnie coaches the way he plays. Mm. Um, the, the great late Frank Arrock, at Arnie playing up front on his own. Mm. Now, we were playing against, you know, Maradona. We were playing against Latini. We were playing against some pretty great players in those days. Um, you know, and and yet there was Australia with Arnie up front by himself. Um, never shirked, never said, no, boss, don't want to do it. He had some pretty good people behind him. Hey, John a, bit, a bit like Mitchell Duke. A, a, mate, ex- exactly like Mitchell Duke. Mitchell Duke... Is actually, you know, um, Peter Banani. Um, you know, Harry Souter to me is Peter Wilson personified. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you Pe- just people don't up- un- people don't truly appreciate, and it, there's a reason for that because we didn't we didn't see too much of Peter Wilson. But his efforts, his contribution, especially if you ask the people who played with him and around him, 
and they'll re- they revere him. Oh, they'd follow him off a cliff. And don't forget, <laughs> we had people like you know Ray Bartz, you know, and, and Adrian Orson who, who played at you know Preston North End and Manchester United, um, you know, from the World Cup. And that's how good these people were. Calais took off his jersey and gave it to Ray Richards in '72 after Santos played the Australian Socceroos in a friendly. People need to remember, in 1970, they won the World Cup. Six of that Santos team were in that were in the World Cup team that won in 1970 for Brazil. In 72, we're playing them in a friendly. We lose 2-1. And Palais takes off his jersey, searches out Ray Richards, turns around and says, I don't know who you are, but, geez, you played well today. Think about it. That's, that's for Pakua and others of her generation, it really is an eye-opener, isn't it? Let's not talk about Maradona and Paul Wade, <laughs> um, you know. Um, so, so these guys, I think, and, and this is in no way disrespecting those that came before them because, yep, you know, I'm proud of our history and certainly disrespecting the 06 guys. The 06 guys were a team of superstars. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and everyone expected them to do well. In context, you'd argue they underperformed compared to these guys and, and they didn't have COVID to contend with. They weren't, you know, going through from bubble to bubble to bubble. And they weren't a team playing in the you know second and third tiers of leagues around the world. And let's not forget, we criticise the A-League, but how many of our current squad are just regular A-League players? And huh? and I think that's, that's just such a great point to lean into, of the fact that a lot of these players are out playing in the A-League. How do you go about capitalising on that and getting people to sit down in these stadiums to come and watch these players? Because obviously the initial um, boost of... The players are coming back. People come and watch them just to see, oh, these are the guys who took us there and got us that far. How do you get them into the seats for the rest of the season? you got to keep well, telling the story. you got to, te- you, you you need, got to keep telling the story. Yeah, we, we, we need, we're, we're not very good at remembering our history. <laughs> um, you know, and, I mean, as I said, you know, I'm not ageist, but there are things that I've just shared that you've probably never heard of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if no Australian sports fan, not football fan, if no Australian sports fan has seen Jimmy Mackay's goal mm. to get us into the World Cup in 74, then to me that's compulsory viewing yep. you know, every school in the country because yep. it's, it's like Australia 2 winning the America's Cup. Um, to your point about the A-League, look, sport is theatre, okay? And, and I don't believe no matter how well the A-League teams are playing, we give enough theatre to the customer, the punter, the fan, to compel them to come. And, and, you know, George touched on the fact that, you know, certainly as a fan, I've got ideas. Um, I, I look back when I could go to the football and watch the National Youth League play the curtain raiser yep. to the National Soccer League. Correct. And, and I could see those that a 15-year-old Peter Raskopoulos playing the, for Sydney Olympics. The next generation. Yep. And, and two hours later, Tommy Doherty called him into, or whoever the coach was at Olympic, called him into the first grade team. Um, so... Now, we had 15- and 16-year-olds, proliferation of them, going from the National Youth League to the National Soccer League. We don't have that anymore. No. We've lost that feeder tier. No other sport has lost it. And, and, and let me go back a bit. And, and it's not just that. the feeder, Jack. You touched on something else. It was the theatre. We actually yes. saw them in their formative stages Yes. And you got it, and you ran. It, it happened. It happened in in rugby league. It used to happen, I suppose, in the AFL as well. You'd watch the third grade. You'd watch the reserve grade, and exactly. you saw what was what was building within your club, or yep. which which players your club could raid. That doesn't appear yep. today. We don't we yep. don't get that opportunity. 
Because they tell us uh, we can't wear the grass out. <laughs> but, but, but let's understand the other thing. Okay, 211 countries went to the World Cup this year. Yep. For the last four years, 211 went on the journey. 210 football is our only team sport in winter. Yeah. 210 of the 211. And you talk about the UK maybe has a bit of rugby league and a yep. bit of rugby union yep. and you know, South Africa. But the reality is, let's say 200 of them only play football. Okay? And they play it three times a week. They played at school. They played on the weekend. And they played in their youth league. By the time they get to 13 or 14, all these kids are playing three games of football a week. That's 60 matches a season. They're playing 20. And you wonder why they're three times better than us. They play three times more football. You know, so we've lost the National League. We've got the A-League on its own. And we, for some reason, for a sport that's so hell-bent on, on embracing the, the female, the women's league, with the male league and equality and all the rest of it, which is we've done brilliantly, I don't understand why the WNPL, the a youth league and the A-League all don't play on one day. Because I could take my grandkids and my family to the football at 1 o'clock for an afternoon of football. That's right. And I could watch the youth. That's the theatre. That's the theatre you speak of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could watch the men's. And you know what I'd love every now and then, maybe once a quarter, let's do a mixed game. Let's have a mixed competition of our best women's uh, National League players and our best A-League players. And that's there's a, so much that's a very that's a very interesting concept. I can remember doing a charity fundraiser many years ago in Sydney, where uh, it was a ce- celebrity select media team against the then Opals and the Diamonds, mm. and we played mm. half a game of basketball, half a game of uh, netball, netball. And, mm. and guess what? The boys got wiped on both yeah. on both on both halves. By, and that's the, okay. by the smoothness, by the professionalism, by the quality and genius of those female stars who we thought, oh, yeah, yeah, they're all right, until you actually take the court against them and they bump you off the ball, they outreach you, they outmanoeuvre you and you go, what's going on? And what we were watching was the emergence of women's sport in a really meaningful way. But, but again, to that point, George, I put Lisa Devana at 38 in oh, yeah. front of any A-League goalkeeper in, in, in the country. Yeah. And I'd love to see that contest. I'd pay extra to see that contest. You talk about watching the emergence of women's sport in the country. Yeah. Our original Matildas went to the Asian Cup in 1975. And they still haven't been one. acknowledged. And they haven't been acknowledged. You know, you talk about, you know, it was interesting in the, in the introduction, we talked about the wonderful Women's World Cup and how great it's going to be for football. I'm not sure if you realise... 1975, 16 Australian women went to the Asian Cup, okay, in Malaysia. They paid their own way. They raised money by washing cars and going on a walkathon from St George, from Bikhurst, yep. to Cronulla Beach. Correct. Okay. Yep. They, they, they were given Australian jerseys, green and gold Australian jerseys, because our then national coach Rally Rasik went to Sir Arthur George and asked for them. <laughs> they, he then, Rally then went to out to the great late Alex Pongrass, the chairman of uh, the chairman of St George, and asked for two thousand dollars to help fund the trip. These sixteen Matildas, including our first Indigenous Matilda, finished third among six Asian nations. Not bad, is it? Football Australia today continues to refuse to acknowledge them, and been capped, and been capped, and been acknowledged as our first Matildas, and yet they wore the green and gold or jerseys given by the Australian Soccer Federation. 
Okay? And they represented their country with pride. The other five countries have all been recognised wow. as full internationals. Well, there's a procure. There's something no, we have it, to drive and make happen. It certainly is, but like something, Jack, you're speaking of that. I, I personally, every time I look at the A League and the Liberty A League, I think about so clearly is the theatre, and as you've spoken about, because all these. When I think about the American sports that I love, yep. They're great sports and it's fun, but I could watch them anywhere else. I could watch people play basketball anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But the theatre that is before the game and after the game and all the talk shows and, and all the people and the fascination with it and the characters they create by through these players, I feel like we lack that so much in, in Australian football. Of We don't know these players. They're just names on the back of a jersey. We, we don't advertise them enough. We don't speak about them enough. I feel like that's such a gap that we're missing into drawing. Just it's up to you fans. to change it. Yeah. It's up <laughs> to just, you to change I'm, it. I'm just getting fans. No, but absolutely. But you're spot on. But let's understand. I mean, at the height of the NSL, we had Scanlon's football cards. The kids can go and buy a packet of football cards for their favourite team. Well, f- football you know? cards are in, by the way. They are very much in. Well, have we got them covering the, the Liberty Women's yeah, League yet? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. But Well, make, cards, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Are, and in. speaking of making things happen, but, but, what you don't know, Peter, other... is that Jack's got something else that he's been building uh, 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 for a couple, of, uh, a couple of years, to say the least. Um, he's had uh, rally not only in his ear but by his side – Jack, what have you building? And Arnie mentioned it the other day. He said at his official last com- uh, press conference, he wanted a home for football. Absolutely, George. Um, again, we, we're in a we're in a small market, twenty six million people. Let's be commercial for a minute, and we've got four competing national codes. teams. Yep, codes. Okay. Um, I, I would argue, and this is personally quite subjective, that we're probably the worst at engaging with government at all levels. Okay, we. I, I think we we suffer from a sense of entitlement. The largest global sport, we've got the highest participation in the country. I've been hearing that for 50 years. So what? Everyone stops playing at 15 because it's too expensive. There's no pathways. Um, we expect government to come to us. You know, the average uh, AFL, rugby league, and rugby union codes in this country get about between 1,200 and $1,500 per person of government funding from all levels of government. Per person. Um, per person, per participant. We get $64, $64, about $1,250, okay? That's the reality. That needs to be driven by, that, 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 that needs to be driven by our leadership. And you know why it breaks down to 64? Because we're victims of our own success. We've got so many playing at a junior level that the amount of money they give us doesn't just go far enough. You know? So we might look like we're getting money on paper because their participation levels are so high. You break it down to per participant. AFL's getting 1250 in Victoria or 1400 We're getting $65. Um, so, that's, you know, that's not sustainable is what Jack is saying. If you're going to go forward. If you're going to go forward. Well, but, but to the earlier point we made about theatre, um, football has always been a poor man's sport. And in this country it's become a wealthy man's sport. Mm. Football was the way that, that Africans and South Americans got out of the slums. Yep, um, and, and they did it by playing lots of football with no money. Um, here we play not enough football for too much money. So, um, and to the point about theatre, um, before we go on to, to, to the question that you asked, George, it's really important to understand we've trained theatre, we've coached theatre out of our game mm. in this country. Yeah, we don't we don't recognise individuals. We don't recognise people that back themselves like a you know, like a Peter Kafolis. No, or, or, a, or Frank Freer or Zarko Zarkov, we don't recognise those people anymore. 
because we don't want them in the game. We just want people to pass to each other forever. Um, you know, we certainly wouldn't recognise a Graham Arnold in today's game. Hmm. You go out there on his own up front and just knock people over and score goals. Um, so there's a combination of things. You can't just point fingers. That's the problem, you know, in, in any kind of, um, you know, challenging times. It's more than one issue because it was one issue you could fix it really easily. This is like a damn wall. The minute you fix one leak, there's four others that you've got to worry about. Um, and the reason we, we're, we're focused on a home of football is because we don't need to compete with other codes, but we need to learn from their successes and we need to respect their successes. What the other codes do really well is they recognise their history. and They do it in a very united way. There's no old rugby league and new rugby league. There's no old AFL and new AFL. Just AFL, just rugby league. Mm. And, and they recognise you know, their, their heroes mm. um, and they have homes for them. Yeah. And, and the fans, you know, worshippers because they've got, they've got a shrine to go to, um, whether it's the local leagues club, which football doesn't have, unfortunately. You know, whereas every rugby league team has a leagues club with, with photos of their heroes going back 100 years. And the trophies. And the trophies. But let's also understand that we've got – you know, uh, since 75, we've got 45, 50 years of women's football isn't celebrated anywhere. You know, this isn't just the Matildas for the last 10 years. You know, um, the, uh, the core of the 75 Matildas went 11 seasons undefeated. The core of the women's football Matildas in 75 played at St George Budapest, started at Prague and went to Marconi. Nine of those players from Prague to St George to Marconi when 11 seasons undefeated across three different clubs. Unfathomable to, to take that on board. Just think of that. It's, it's The only other sequence of, 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 of domination I've ever seen is the great St. George Rugby League That's era right. where they won 11 yeah. seasons in a row, 11 premierships in a row. Yeah. They, and they, no, you I mean, know what? You know how they beat St. George eventually? They changed the game. The rules. Yeah. Changed the rules rule yeah. to beat St. George, one club. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and yet... Coincidentally, that same St. George Club was the nucleus for, for our first elite women's football team yep. in 75. You know, AFL and rugby league started five years ago. I mean, most of the AFL and women's rugby league players, their mothers weren't even born when the 75 girls were playing. That's <laughs> um, so true. So true. And, and, and they went 11 seasons undefeated. Any of the young, current, football-loving girls in this country that love the Matildas, They've been told about that history. They appreciate that history. That would make it an, a, even more girls proud to be part of the sport. So, how do we go forward, Jack? What do we? What What can we do to grab uh, a Graham Arnold's uh, quest or question or or quest and make it happen? And by the way, for those of you who've just joined us on FNR and you're listening to State of Our Football Nation, uh, Puku Frimpong Frimpong is my uh, new co-anchor uh, and. Uh, our special guest is uh, businessman and football and actually sports and sports tragic, uh, Jack Zervos. Uh, and Jack's uh, been a long-time lover of the game, but he's also been a supporter of grassroots football. And he certainly knows and reveres and loves the game, but he's not afraid to also be a critic of the game. And, and, we, we, and, and I'm doing this on purpose today in the week right after the arrival of our Socceroos from what has been an extraordinary campaign at Qatar, another maligned uh, World Cup for other reasons, and some of those reasons are legitimate and we, and we wish uh, that nation 
and and uh, the challenges ahead uh, all the very best because the the people who toiled in the desert for the last 15 years to build those magnificent stadiums that cost as we've found out Jack 316 billion dollars um, is quite something but again we remember and we're watching one of the most exciting world cups bar none absolutely bar none extraordinary yep you know extraordinary when you look at countries like uh, look at germany who won four world cups denmark uruguay two world cups and they've gone home yeah they got bundled out (laughs) but like it's absolutely extraordinary so you know so to, to our point about where do we go from here look football needs a home we don't have one we don't have a home we don't have know a lords in england for the you know cricket or an mcg for the afl or a sydney cricket ground we don't game despite its hundred years of internationals despite its first matildas playing in 75 despite the fact that our first world cup team in 75 had our first indigenous footballer that no one recognizes the great harry williams i was speaking to yesterday and he was so proud of the boys i can imagine um, i can imagine you know, and, the, and the 75 matildas had Narita Tracy, also oh. our first Indigenous footballer, women's footballer. History not known. And the history has to be known. Yeah, Trixie, Trixie will known. tell you that uh, her teammates uh, mean the world to her and for them to be oh, acknowledged would mean would mean even more. Absolutely. And, 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 and do our young women today know that Trixie Tag was not only our first woman but our first Australian woman, Matilda's coach, 1982. Yeah. We make it sound like the Matildas sort of just appeared in the last 10 years. <laughs> you know, so so there's this school teacher from suburban Sydney who played in 75 for her country, hasn't been recognised, coached, coached the country in 82, okay? has been acknowledged as the coach, hasn't been acknowledged as a player that, that went to an Asian Cup and finished third. Wow. So these stories need to be told and if you look at the politics of every sport, not just football, the reason the history isn't changed and is maintained and built on in AFL and league is because history lives. People can go and visit the history. They can touch it and feel it. Mm. When the history is hidden in people's memories, in people's closets, in people's pool rooms, it's very easy to rewrite history because it's not known. When it's not known, people just accept what they're told this week. Yeah. Um, so we need to have a home for our history. In doing so, we also need to support the pillars that this history was built on because, and I won't name names, but there's there's countless players who have you know, worn the green and gold. It was in the days before the PFA, in the days before player contracts, yes. it was the days before insurance and superannuation. <laughs> you know, and, and they've died in nursing homes. No one from Football Australia has gone to visit them. They haven't even sent flowers. Okay. There are current soccer, there are Socceroos currently who represented our country with distinction who have had mental health issues. No one sent them a bunch of flowers. No one's rung them from Australia and said, I hear you're having a tough time. Would you like to come to one of the games? Would you like us to take you to a local school so maybe you can run a few coaching clinics? Um, you know, so we, we, don't, we don't find homes for our ex-players. In, in AFL and rugby league, as you know, George, we make them scouts. We put them in a car. We pay them a thousand bucks a week, yep. and they drive from school to school. To ambassadors, school. ambassadors for the game. They're ambassadors, yeah. And they fill our our youth programs with the next Indigenous superstar, correct? The next Sam Kerr, correct? With the next the next Harry Mary Sauer. Fowler, 
the next Mary Fell. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we, we... So are we close to something physical, Jack? Is it is it within our grasp and within our reach to maybe convince the state leagues finally to relinquish some of the monies they get to make something like this possible? It's an opportune question. The t- timing is always important with these things. Mm-hmm. We've been... We've been blessed that we've had some some great supporters from both inside and outside the sport. Yep. Um, we've we've been to Football Australia, and one of the reasons I'm such a vocal critic is because, um, to be honest, they're not interested. Football Australia want to control the history, want to write the history, want to vet the history, want to censor the history. I'm happy to go on the record and have a discussion with Chris Nicholl and James Johnson, both blocked me on social media, because. Um, it's the only sport in, the, in Australia that's just so fragile that they won't take criticism. You know, Peter Volandis will take criticism and come back and headbutt you. Um, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan McLaughlin will, will, will take criticism and take it on board and at least come back and, and if it makes sense, do something with it. Yes, but he's seven um, foot tall, Jack. He's a very tall yeah. man. Very tall man. And, 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 and all credit to them. But we wonder why, why the other codes are more successful. It's not because they're better than us. Mm. It's because we allow them to be. Mm. It's because we don't capitalise... On the, on the Graham Arnolds and the Harry uh, and the Mitchell Dukes and the Harry Souders. Yeah. Um, the window's come and gone. 74 proved it. 06 proved it. This is the only opportunity. And, and my fear is they're going to say, let's wait for the Women's World Cup and do something. No, no, no. It's got to start no, now. No. Pakur will jump on there no. and tell you that. 100%. <laughs> no, so my, fear, my fear is that the Women's World Cup in and of itself will do something, much like a World Cup would do something. But the importance of actually doing something with that is so crucial. You have to put in the systems in, in place to make sure it is successful well beyond that sort of because you will get you will get that initial burst. People will come, people will support, but will they stay after? Yeah. And have you done enough work to ensure that they, they care stay. about these players? Because I hear a lot of times we talk about the Matildas players, but we only talk about the real big Sam Kerr's, the Ellie Carpenters, but what about these other players that are playing in the Liberty A League that you can go and watch a week in, each, week yeah, out? Yeah, each week, yeah. Because if you're not putting those things in place, they will come for that tournament, but after, they will not be there. So I think it's really important that the the people in charge make do the right things to ensure this is successful for Australia in the long term. So what you're saying is merchandising and, mar- yeah, and marketing has got to be key. Marketing has to be key. And, and, and Jack will tell you that's the one area or two areas that we've been um, uh, circumspect and derelict. Is that fair, Jack? Look, George, again, <laughs> you know, it's hard not to be critical. We signed a deal with, with a, an American franchise sandwich brand. Yes, okay? Subway. We sold, we sold our Socceroos name. Yep. We sold it. Now the Subway Socceroos. Yes. The Rolls Royce Socceroos, or the BMW Socceroos, or the, <laughs> Socceroos the Subway Socceroos. Seriously, it might as well have been Jimmy's Kebab Socceroos. Um, and and that's not disrespectful to the Subway or Jimmy's Kebab. No, no, no. Jimmy's Kebabs are something fearsome. We we, we sold all our t- national teams from under seventeens to our World Cup squad. We sold the name for four million dollars a year. Mm. And as I understand it, no. No bonus clauses if we make a World Cup. No bonus clauses if we qualify for a World Cup. No bonus clauses if we finish in the last 16 of a World Cup, which any other code would have had written in implicitly if they had 211 countries participating. Of course, AFL and Rugby League dream about that. Um, so about so we've, now, we've now played, that brand has played in front of 1.7 billion people for $4 million a year. A Diamond's got $5 million a year from Gina Reinhardt. 
There you go. Then Uncle Dan stepped in when she pulled out. Well, there was an election. He needed some support. Yeah, but, mate, it doesn't matter. We got I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not bagging. For a game that's played in 15 countries and yeah. watched by 17 people. Oh, look, you know? all, the so, only point I was making there was that Dan Andrews, the State Premier of Victoria, saw an opportunity and went after absolutely. it. And what you're absolutely. saying is that our businessmen and women are seeing opportunities. In fact, they're not even seeing the opportunity and no. they don't understand that you've got to pursue it to grab it. It's like what, chasing what? a goal down. No point, fo- no point thinking you're going to score if you don't chase the ball. Mate, why didn't Football Australia have 20 locations pre-booked okay, to live stream the World Cup games? Have their own media people live streaming them. That's what their the cure said. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be a marketing genius to do that. And, and when we pay people that are supposed do, to be marketing you know, geniuses, you know what my instant response to you is, Jack, that they even they didn't believe the boys would do as well as they did. But you know what? If they'd had that in place, it would have given the boys something to work towards. Oh, it would have shown them that they were getting support from their administration. You know, let's reflect for a moment uh, on sport in this country and history. In the late 80s, the beginning of the 90s, there was an Australian cricket team that went to England and it was maligned, pilloried from pillar to post. It was the end of an era and this was the weakest, worst bloody team that Australia had ever (laughs) introduced or offered up to England. And you know what that that side included? Mm. A guy called Taylor's captain. Yep. A bunch of guys called War (laughs) who went to war. And came mm. back as heroes and legends. So, you know, and by the, by the way, those wars could play football. Round ball code. Big time. As, as, as could the great John Dyson. Oh, Johnny Dyson was a tremendous goalkeeper. The boy, from the, the boy from the Shire. Yeah, he took the greatest catch in cricketing history. That's actually, actually, all he did, mate, was a good goalkeeping lesson. Bit of practice with a, with a, with a cricket ball. Uh, we did we we used on a many occasion to help us that get that extra stretch in our in our yeah. in our technique but we're, so, so, we're, but we're just we're just moving off the subject matter but i just yeah. needed to give you some perspective and for the sporting fans to understand this is a very very special it's not the end of an era it's the beginning of something new if only we embrace it isn't that right jack absolutely a game needs a home a heroes needs somewhere to be remembered. Yep. A history needs somewhere to be taught and passed on. Yeah. Our ex-players need somewhere to keep connecting with the future fans to the point we made about, you know, football cards. Now, I mean, again, you wouldn't remember the great Des Martin. Oh, Desi. No, he could score a goal. a goal. He could score a goal. Uh, you Bertie. should. You should tell Pakua. Because she may, do you know? Have you ever heard the name Des Martin? I haven't. I okay, haven't, just Jack will give you a very short uh, pricey or, or Wikipedia entry on Des Martin. I'm ready. Go oh, on, th- go for th- it. Nail, th- nail it to the wall. Okay, um, thirty-four goals in his first season. Wow, thirty-four. Okay. That's a three. Huh? Not twenty-four goals in his first season. Yeah. Two golden boots. He was. He was probably, look, no one knows. He was probably 36 when he came in, really. And Des is a mate of mine. He's going to kill me. He said he was 28. Um, and they believe he, him. He, he'd have probably four cigarettes at halftime in the dressing room. Um, he couldn't speak a word of English. Correct. And when he first came to training, he would lift up from either side of the field, either foot and point to his toe, and just yell out, here, here, here. I love that. I love that. And that's that's how he scored 34 he goals. Was the, he was prodigious. No, but this is he had a hunger for goals that you would 
revere and love. Yeah. No, but this is this and is that, the stuff that I I like I appreciate because I think characters are so important oh, in football, and I don't think we have enough characters. Jack, and I think Jack has had lunch yeah. with him on a regular basis. I, I, That's how much character is. There. Jack, you made the point earlier about how like we. We, you could see these players, and you like you got to, you knew them back. Oh yeah, back to but front. We, and the and the 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 little things with the people in like the third world countries, they learn. They just get to keep that passion and just that that their natural instinct. They get to keep, and we are teaching that almost in a way out of a lot of players. I think that's what we're losing as well. When we teach that out of them, we lose the characters on the field, and we lose the characters to market, and we and people are like, oh, I don't really care. They just seem like a bunch of robots that are just playing football, but. Yeah. There are so many characters oh, yeah. that probably explains the Brazilians. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, because, everyone can't understand why they dance after a goal. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's built like, in. No, but it's like playing. It's like playing the game as they were when they were kids. That's right. And it, you, if you could keep that and maintain that for football players and for football for fans, they stay for longer because it just reminds them of a great time in their own life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, the, the challenge we have in this country, to your very very valid points, is that. We we're, we're like the animal that kills its its, its babies. Yeah. We 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 destroy ourselves mm-hmm. because we we create this division between old football and new football, and the NSL is better, and the A League's rubbish, or vice versa. And you know that you know, and we have stupid things like again, I don't want to be critical of administration. Now, let's have a team of the century. Well, can I tell you who's watched a hundred years of football? Uh, I and have how probably, many, Jack. I have. And, and how many? And how many of our boomers, are, 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 you know, are IT literate enough to be able to do an online survey? Yeah. You know? So, so we're, we're picking teams of the century, and we're, we're making players, you know, the best this and the best that. People have never seen Ray Bart. Yeah, never heard yeah, of Ray yeah, Bart. Yeah, People yeah. have never seen, you know, Adrian Alston. I'm not saying that they're better. Maybe, maybe they were just different. But to your point, the countries you talk about are all passionate about their teams. They're passionate about their national country. And they're passionate about their sport. Mm. And they might be critical. Right? When Brazil is going to a World Cup, every Brazilian's behind Brazil. When Croatia's going to a World Cup, oh, every Croatian's behind four Croatia. Four million of them. <laughs> four million of them. Australia goes to a World Cup and people want to argue that we don't deserve to be there. Yeah. We're hopeless. See? You know? so, so we've got some fundamental issues around our attitudes and, and maybe that's because we compete with three other sports. Maybe that's because it's not the focal point, the bill and end all, and everyone's got a favourite Aussie rules team or a favourite rugby league team, as well as a favourite football team. And when, when they lost their favourite football team because of changes to the you know NSL and the A-League, they were left with their favourite AFL team. And that's become their focus. So it's easy to disregard now, you know, uh, Melbourne City or Melbourne Victory because they were South Melbourne fans. But, and, and Collingwood's been con- continuous for them, or Carlton's been continuous for yeah, them. Yeah. I get that. Our leadership needs to get that. Our leadership needs to embrace the change. Our leadership needs to unite the game. Not Graham Arnold and the Socceroos. Okay? They've done, they've they've done, done their job. Yep. They've done it despite yeah. the, the problems in the game, Correct. to their credit. Yeah. They're absolute heroes. Yep. You know? And that's why, you know, yes, uh, uh, call it a museum, call it a home of football, call it a shrine, call it you know, the G. AFL or, or the SCG to cricket, but they've got this hundred-year-old history of soccerers. Are we close to getting it, um, mate? Look, we're, we we will do it one way or another. Uh, <laughs> we owe it to the Les Shine Flags and the Rally Rassics. Uh, so Pakur, we, that we, means Jack's going to do it despite the game. In other words, <laughs> we tried to do it with Football Australia; they weren't interested. Um, 
not sure if you're aware, George, but just last uh, two weeks ago there was an AGM. Yes. Um, and and some and, and there's been some changes to the board. Yeah, new members um, have arrived. Yes, I've seen that. New members have arrived, and they deserve an opportunity to hear our case. Yes. Um, and we're at a point in time now where we're just about to hit the go button, so we can push the pause button and and have those crucial conversations very very quickly. Um, so we're we're talking to the new board members. Um, because we have a lot of confidence in them, and, and we believe Good. we believe that, that they they will support this initiative, and and we know they're committed to unifying the game, um, so we trust them. Um, we've also got a meeting with the federal sports minister in the new year, um, which yes, you could say we're going it alone, but someone had to, and I got sick of waiting. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll and we'll be taking uh, the great Harry Williams, um, our first Indigenous Socceroo, Centrevich. Pixie tag and rally to that meeting. It's not a bad good. It's not a bad, it's not a bad to, combo. No, it's a pretty good squad. We hope to go to that meeting with in, in conjunction and in partnership with their faith. Um, That's important. We're certainly going to hit the pause button to try and make that happen. We're going to go regardless. Good, good, good. Um, and and that's really where we're at. Um, the, the players, the current and the past players, deserve it. You know, the, the Manfred Schaefers and the Peter Stones. You know, and and the Artie Bonnies. Um, you know, that late Charlie Jurisic was in a nursing home for 12 years, not one visit from the administration. Not good enough, um, not good enough. You know, he, he, he was the, the team physio for the Socceroos for over 20 years. Yeah, yeah. People like, that meant something, very much. Like, you know, I think anyone that's ever played football bought a gold chain from Charlie Jurisic. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's so true. <laughs> they were the characters of the game. They were. They, were the they certainly the were. Well, you know, Jack, and, I'm, I'm thrilled a bit that um, things are afoot. We wish you and every success. Uh, Pakua has been sitting here rolling her eyes saying, I cannot believe some of the stories that Jack has, uh, has offered up. But they're all true, Pakua. They're all true. She should come, you should come to one of our lunches. We uh, had a lunch. Actually, actually, we'll put that on her list of good things to do because this is the next generation of broadcaster, Jack. And oh, okay. it's, it's not up to me. It's up to Pakua and her generation to take the game oh. by the scruff of the neck and to showcase it in the best possible light, in a new Absolutely. way. You know, they say they say we speak your language. Well, I, I want her to use all her mastery and all her craft uh, and love of the game, which she has oodles of. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Liberty uh, women's uh, competition yet and uh, listen up to Pakua Frimpong, uh, and yes, we think I think she's related to Jeremy Fringpong <laughs> in the Dutch side, but she I'll says keep telling people she, that. She, he may be a long distance, you know, lost uncle, but she's not sure. Not sure. I'll check the family tree. I'll check the family <laughs> check tree. The tree. Check. Claim it, claim it, or someone proves otherwise. <laughs> I might have to. I might have to. Jack, George, just just, just on that, just quickly. Um, our, our last lunch, Barry Cole and Kenny Taylor flew up from Melbourne. Yeah. Right? Just to come to lunch with 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 you know, a bunch of retrogrades, um, Frank Mitchich. I mean, we haven't got time to tell Frank Mitchich's story, but Frank was there. Um, the Gary Optucci tag, Peter Escopolis, Anthony Labozetta. Um, you know, it's not you, just you, you gave me an idea. We need to record that lunch and play it as a special one hour and we'll curate the bits that you can't use uh, and we'll make the bits that uh, you know deserve every bit of airing. Uh, and are um, uh, a kosher, uh, and we'll the run, reason, it, on, the, we'll the run reason, it on FNR as a special luncheon. 
the reason we have those lunches is because people don't want photos or don't want anything <laughs> said to leave the room. <laughs> so, well, we can turn the pictures off and just leave the audio. But, but, but we're going to have one in Melbourne and you'll both be invited. Maybe we can do a live stream. How's that? Sounds fantastic. Uh, Jack Zervos <laughs> has been our special guest, uh, a lover of the game, a critic of the game, but at, at the very heart of it, someone who just loves the people who have been part of this game forever. Um, and he counts uh, many of them, great many of them, as personal friends. And I'm very jealous to say, Pakur, that he does these luncheons. And because we're in Melbourne, we don't get – we get an invite, but we don't get the opportunity to, to butt up, you know. Otherwise, I'd take you, let me tell you, right I'll, now. I'll take the invite next Done. time, George. Jack, Melbourne, thank you Melbourne very much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> all Absolutely the best and, and Merry Christmas. And to you too. All the best. Thank Thanks. you. Jack Zervos. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Jack Zervos joining us there and giving us an idea of just some of the things that haven't been right, that need to get addressed, and some of the other issues that, you know, they need to rethink. Um, And I love your point too. Uh, We've got to get out there and be smarter with our merchandising and our marketing and play Player cards yeah. for the Liberty Women's. Because, because Why can't we get a sponsor? No, get me, Liberty to come on as a sponsor. Because for me, George, there are plenty of – I could watch basketball anywhere. I could watch soccer anywhere. Yep. I could watch any sport anywhere. Yep. The reason you pick whichever league is because you like the characters and you like the no, marketing. No, because they, because they, they draw and they, they, they take you in and it makes you feel like you're a part of it. And well, that is Well, in your storytelling and every call that you do, you add a little bit of colour throughout – you don't you don't fill it full of history yeah. because that that's that's very difficult to to absorb, but you you pick those golden moments and add the little colour and let me tell you, it'll not only please you but it'll please the, the viewers and listeners too of the game. Um, again, you've been listening to State of Our Football Nation on Football Nation Radio. George Danikian, along with my uh, brand new uh, offsider, her name is uh, Pakua Frimpong. And, uh, yes, if you do think it sounds very familiar, that name, it is a very familiar Dutch uh, name that is resonating currently because the Netherlands is on the cusp of getting to the next level. Can they go? We'll see. Speak to you soon. Catch you next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.